this thing hooked up. And Roy liked that one. He's getting excited. That was good. <laughs> anyway, good, uh, good, uh, great weekend at church uh, this weekend. I think we had uh, uh, like one saved outdoor hanging Thursday night. Jesse got to lead a guy to the Lord. And I think uh, Tony saw somebody saved bus calling yesterday. We had a couple saved in junior church. And so, see if we're working. Can you hear me? Test, test. Uh, a stand, give you one last good stretch here before we get going. We'll read a, a verse here in first in Second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, we'll get that worked out. Let me just have the podium mic back on here, Victor. And uh, we'll read verse number seventeen, and then we'll pray and we'll get going here uh, this evening. In verse seventeen of Second Corinthians uh, chapter five, it says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold." All things are become new. And let's pray quick this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your blessings already, how we've been encouraged with uh, uh, teaching and uh, singing this morning and song tonight. And we praise you for that. Thank you for folks that have been saved this weekend and uh, uh, and just uh, visitors in church and on the buses. And we praise you for that and all the work that folks have put in. I pray you'd be with us tonight as we meet for a few more minutes and you'd uh, just uh, speak through me, help me to uh, say the right things. And we'd all uh, leave encouraged and strengthened this evening. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, all right, here we go. Let's try this again, Victor. All right, how's that sound? Better? We're good. All right, let's stick this in here. Anyway, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17 here, we see here uh, that uh, when someone gets saved, when someone is in Christ, it is, it is more than just a uh, free ticket to heaven. It's more than just an escape from hell. It is uh, something much more than that. And salvation, uh, if uh, just escaping hell was it, would be fantastic. That would be that would be worth it all right there. If it was just getting a ticket to heaven, that would be fantastic and would be worth it all uh, right there. But salvation is so much more than that. It is not just a uh, just a uh, you know changing our destination quick, but no, it is a life transformation. And if you flip over to Romans chapter twelve, uh, verse one, we'll read a couple of verses there really quick. And uh, yeah, preach from this passage. I don't know, back in January or something, but we're gonna. Just to take a different little spot from it, and then uh, we'll be heading into Ephesians here in just a second. But Ephesians, uh, or Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, for, therefore, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we see here God has a will, a plan for each and every one of us. Uh, his goal wasn't just to uh, save us from our sins and save us from hell and then just leave us be for the rest of our lives. He had a plan, a will for each and every one of our lives. And that will starts off with, of course, uh, I love how it says here, I beseech you therefore. And I love the therefore here. And uh, find out uh, through Scripture, when God calls us to do something through the New Testament, it usually always comes with a therefore. And if you look back at most of these, we'll look at a couple of them tonight, uh, but the therefore is, is usually an amazing thing. It is because of all this great stuff that he has done, all this good stuff he has done for us. Therefore, 
he's called us to this. And it is not a or else. So God's commands come with a therefore, not an or else at the end. And God's not, if you, you do this or I'm just going to whack you away. He's, no, I have done so much for you. I have saved you. I've redeemed you. I've given you a new life, a new hope. Therefore, I have something better, a plan for you to follow with your life. And we see here in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse uh, 1 and 2, we're called to present our bodies, a living sacrifice, to offer our lives to him, to make that decision. You know what? I'm not in control anymore. I'm letting you be in control, Lord. I'm letting you guide me. I want to do your will above mine. And then we see here in verse 2, he says, be not conformed to this world. Of course, don't be smushed into the world's mold, uh, but be transformed, be made something completely different. That's that word metamorphosis. If you're ever in elementary school and you uh, got a, a caterpillar in a jar, and of course you, you feed the thing and eventually gets in a cocoon, and you have a metamorphosis that takes place. You have a transformation, and after a few weeks, two, three weeks, uh, that the caterpillar is no longer a caterpillar. It is a new creature. It's a butterfly. And what an uh, amazing illustration that is. And God is calling us to be transformed, and that says here, by the renewing of your mind. And God wants us to renew our minds. And what does that word renewing mean? It means uh, to renovate, uh, to restore to a former or to a good state after decay or deprivations, to rebuild, to repair. Think of renewing furniture. And uh, a very tedious project, but uh, some people really enjoy renewing furniture. I think of renovating a house. And that's something I'm sure we've all experienced. Roy's the pro here. Uh, but renovating a house is something we, we, all, we, we all do at some point in our life mostly. Uh, but God has called us to renovate or renew our minds. And if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, where we'll be uh, most of the rest of the night tonight, Ephesians chapter 4, we see uh, kind of a little more detail about what it means to renew or renovate our minds. And uh, before we get there, just uh, looking back in Ephesians, you can turn to Ephesians 4. Uh, but if you look through the first few chapters of Ephesians, uh, you see uh, some amazing things uh, that God has given us. In chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed uh, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We are, we are adopted into his family now uh, to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, where ha wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And we, as Christians, we are accepted. With salvation comes acceptance. And so many people in this world are striving to feel accepted. And they're doing all sorts of nutty things, getting on all sorts of crazy lifestyles and uh, going into following all sorts of nutty, just wicked, wild peer pressure to get acceptance. But as Christians, with salvation, we have acceptance. And verse 7, it keeps going on, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And it just keeps going on and on. Verse 11, it says we have obtained an inheritance. And uh, it keeps going through Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. We see we have acceptance, we have adoption, we have redemption. Uh, chapter 2 talks about how we have a promised kingdom to look forward to. We have a promised resurrection to look forward to. We have been quickened. We've been made alive. 
Uh, we have equality. We're all equal before Christ. Everybody in this world is striving for equality. We need, all need to be equal. Equal rights, equal this, equal this, equity, blah, blah, blah. But equality and true equality comes through Christ. It comes with us from salvation as a gift. And what an amazing thing. And we are blessed as Christians. We don't have to uh, strive to think, I'm better, I'm worse. Uh, this type of group's worse or better. No, we are equal at the cross. We're all sinners. We all come to him by grace. We're all saved through faith. And praise the Lord for that. And it just continues on. These first chapters talks about how we, how we have boldness. We have access in prayer. We can come to him anytime. And then at the beginning of chapter 4, uh, we see here that we have spiritual gifts God has given us. He's given us gifts and talents to uh, serve him and to help others and to reach out to others. talks about the different uh, positions in the church he's given us to lead us and teach us and how blessed we are all because of salvation. And then verse 17, it says this, verse 17 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. It says, uh, he says, this I say therefore... Because of all these wonderful things that God has done for you, all these great things you have, not just saved from hell, but so much more, he says, uh, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, uh, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, uh, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the, old, the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of of your mind. And we see here God is uh, making a comparison. He says, now that I've given you all this, I, have, I want you to be renewed in the spirit of your, your mind. I want you to get rid of these old things, these former things, and be renewed. And in these first few verses we read, we see the natural, the wicked state of man. Uh, we see here, we think of it, kind of think of it as a broken down, worn out, run down house. And we see a house, anybody watching old Andy Griffith or something, where there's a creepy, scary house. And this is the natural state of man. It is a mess. It's, it's leaky. It's falling apart. It's crumbling. It's deteriorating. It, uh, it, need, it, it needs a contractor to come and get some work done. It's a mess. And uh, you look in the inside, and it's just trash, junk, windows broken in. And uh, without Christ, that is what we all are. That is what all mankind is. And the Bible says in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And we are all sinners in our natural state. As humans, we are all like this run-down, worn-down, broken-down house. But God has a plan. When someone gets saved, uh, it is time for a remodel and renovation. And we've all seen uh, fixer-up shows where uh, they, they, these uh, uh, couple buy some uh, run-down, ratty old house, and then the, uh, the fixer-up people come in, and they tear everything out, and they remodel it, and we love the before and after. And when salvation happens, it is like this broken-down, torn-down house getting a new owner finally moving inside. And when this owner comes inside, this Holy Spirit comes and indwells a new believer, it is not, uh, well, that's it, we're done. No, it is renovation time. It is time for a remodel of a life. And praise the Lord uh, that Christ has a plan and a remodel uh, for each and every one of us. 
And I think of uh, uh, going to military boot camp. We have some uh, veterans here. And uh, in boot camp, it is a remodel process. I mean, you get these new recruits in, and uh, they are just, uh, I'm sure, a bunch of punk teenagers coming in. And uh, they need to remodel and renovate and renew these teenagers. We need, they need to tear out some things. Their laziness needs to go. Uh, they need to get up at crack of 3 in the morning and go run 20 miles. I mean, that has to go. Uh, the fatigue uh, or uh, just uh, with, uh, disorganized sloppiness has to go. I'm sure uh, they get, do you get in trouble if you have a messy uh, bed and stuff in boot camp, Tyler? We get a lot of trouble. See, they don't like that. That sloppy needs to go. They need to get rid of these character traits. They need to uh, get teamwork in there. Somebody who doesn't work well with others, they're going to learn really quick. They need to work well with others. And it is a remodeling of a life that happens uh, during boot camp. And it's uh, a very important because if the military wants to be successful, if it wants to succeed, if it wants to accomplish its mission, it needs to have people that are renovated. They are remodeled. They are ready to go. They're prepared for the job. They can't just have anybody off the street. It needs to turn that civilian into a soldier. And the same thing happens as Christians. We see God has a different plan. He has a different model he wants us to form our lives after. And it says in Romans 8, 29, says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And God has a much greater goal for us, for our lives, and that is to conform us, not to the world, but to the image of his son, to conform us to the image of Christ. And an old abandoned home, uh, eventually it just sits there, and eventually it gets torn down and demolished once it gets bad enough, and something new gets slammed on top. And a person without Christ, eventually life just gets worse, it deteriorates, we suffer, we pain through life, and then death happens, and then eternity in the lake of fire happens. But when someone gets saved, uh, it is like that house getting a new owner moving in, and renovation time is about to start. And as Christians, when we trust Christ as our Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells us, we get a new person living inside. And as a result of that, some changes uh, will be occurring very soon in our lives. We have a house... Uh, across the street from us uh, that's been sitting empty for about a year, and it has uh, gone downhill quickly over that year. Uh, but just in the last few weeks, someone has obviously bought it. Uh, I think somebody bought it to fix it up as a rental, but there has been some crazy new action now that there is a new owner in this house. There's been skid loaders yanking, tearing stuff down, and they got an excavator there now, and all sorts of action. There is a remodel occurring because there is a new owner in this house, and this house is being made into something new, something more, much more valuable and much better, and uh, such is God's plan for our life. And we see here through the rest of uh, chapter uh, 4 of Ephesians, we see God's plan, uh, just part of it, continues through the rest of the, of the book, really. We won't get to that tonight, but I uh, see some of God's plan for remodeling or renovating a life. And uh, so we'll look at verse number uh, 22, or 21, or 23, excuse me, of chapter 4. It says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, uh, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, in true holiness. And so we see here in verse 22, there is a putting off, and in verse 24, there is a putting on. And uh, the statement, uh, 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 renovation without addition is simply demolition. And when God calls us to get rid of things in our life and remove things, he always has something new uh, to put in. And it's important that we always uh, keep that in mind. And we see here in verse 25, one of the first things God says, uh, this needs to go. If we want to renovate, we want to renew our minds, there are some things we need to get rid of, and there are some things we need to put in our lives. And verse 25 starts off with, he says, Wherefore, uh, because of this, number one, put away lying, 
speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one with another. And we live in a world that man is naturally dishonest. It is uh, uh, very easy. I mean, you turn in the news, turn in any channel, any side, there's always some lies lurking around somewhere. And uh, you always have to be very careful with your dealing, careful what you read online, because it is very easy and natural for us to lie. And uh, I don't know if you ever got a phone call. You know, your car warranty is expiring. It's not. That's a lie. Okay. Your car is way too old to have a warranty. It's been expired for a long time. You know what mine is. But uh, you know, lies are all around us. And uh, one thing a Christian that marks a Christian as different when Christ comes into our life, one thing that needs to go is lying, is dishonesty, is deceit. Uh, it says here, uh, of this sin, the heathen were very guilty, affirming that it is profitable that a profitable lie it was better than a hurtful truth. And therefore, the apostle exhorts them to cease from lying and from everything contrary to the truth. And in Proverbs, we see one of the six things that the Lord hates. One of them is a lying tongue. In Proverbs 13, it says, a righteous man hateth lying. In uh, Psalms 119, it says, I hate and abhor lying. So Proverbs 19 says, a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. And lying, of course, is a mark that none of no Christian should have. And I, I'm not like, I don't think there's any particular liars here I'm going after, you know. I'm sure. But anyway, lying is something we all have to walk, watch out for because it is easy to, uh, to let something slide, to be a little deceitful, to uh, twist the truth a little bit. And the devil, of course, is the father of lies, and he will always look for a way uh, to get lies coming out of us and tell us lies, try to get us to tell, share lies with others. Uh, but instead of lying, God wants us to tear that out. Uh, just like when you're remodeling a house, you tear something out, and then you put something in. When we bought our house nine years now we've uh, lived in our house uh one of the first things we tore out was the shag carpet in the bathroom why you put shag carpet in the bathroom i have no idea that was kind of gross uh, but we tore that out and we put down some just uh, cheap uh, some vinyl flooring or something we put down in the bathroom and we put something new in but uh when god comes to us and he says i want you to remove lying but i want you to instead to install speaking truth he says but uh, let him every man speak truth uh with his neighbor for we are members uh, one of another and as human beings as christians we are all part of the family of god and of course we should uh, always be honest we should always be truthful for each other as human beings we're all descendants of adam and eve and we're all family and god wants us we are members one of another and we should always strive to share the truth and speak the truth with one another but more than just being honest it is our responsibility to get rid of lying of course and uh, to be honest with each other uh, but to be diligent about speaking the truth uh, to one another and how important it is that we uh, share the gospel we share the truth of the gospel and the power that it has with those around us and we're privileged is to be in a church that is faithful sharing the gospel the folks saved this weekend i think 15 saved last weekend and uh, what a great blessing that is but that is what god has called us to do he says i don't want any dishonesty any deceit in your mouths instead i want the i want the truth is what you're speaking i want the truth what's coming out of course being honest but of course sharing the truth of jesus christ and of the gospel uh, proverbs 12 uh, tells us he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness uh, but a false witness, deceit, and truth is, is so, so important uh, to be in all of our lives, that we should all be speaking one to another. And then the next one, verse 26, he continues, the next step of the remodel, there's something else we need to tear out and something else we need to put in. Verse 6, he says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place uh, to the devil. We see here that there is a sinful anger that must be removed from our lives. 
Now, it doesn't say all anger is bad. It says be angry and sin not. There is a righteous anger and there is a sinful anger. And the word anger, think of the term righteous indignation. And there are things in this world that will righteously make us angry. I mean, you can turn on the news and there is some wild stuff going on that should, you know, that is against God. That is unholy, that is wicked, that is vile, and that should stir up something in us. And I love the statement here by John Gill. It says, there is anger which is not sinful, for anger is found in God himself, in Jesus Christ, in the holy angels, and in God's people. And a man may be said to be angry and not sin when his anger arises from a true zeal for God and religion, when it is kindled not against persons, but against sin. And it's so important that there is a, a righteous anger, there is a good anger, there, is a, there are things we should stand up against, we should speak against, we should stand for that are true and stand against that are wrong, uh, and that, that is good. Uh, in our statement here, it says, if we would be angry and not sin, we must be angry at nothing but sin. And we should be more jealous for the glory of God than for any interest or reputation of our own. So what is this sinful anger that we need to tear out? And just a few things, sinful anger is anger that is personal towards people. And uh, God has not called us just to be angry at someone, to have a grudge towards someone, to have a deep hatred for someone. That is a sinful anger that needs to be torn out. Sinful anger is anger that is for our benefit. You know, I, I'm mad because I didn't get my way or because I didn't get what I wanted or it didn't go how I wanted. Uh, I am upset about that. That is not an anger God wants us to have. That's an anger that needs to be torn out. Uh, sinful anger is anger that sticks around. It says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger that sticks around, that's there day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade for someone. That is not a righteous anger. God does not want us to be angry people. It is something uh, that is not supposed to stick around. And uh, sinful anger is anger that arises quickly and easily. And how many times do the Bible tell us to be slow to anger, slow to wrath? And uh, a sinful anger is one that is, comes up quick, comes up instant, comes up immediately, and God wants us to watch out to not have that sinful anger. And he says, tear out the sinful anger, and instead, install daily routines to deal with wrath. He says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And anger is something that we will all have, we all deal with probably on a regular basis, uh, but sinful anger is when we, when we don't deal with it. We just let it go, we let it keep going, we're not dealing with it daily. And a good routine to start getting in your life is maybe you had a bad day, you got upset, there's something, maybe something righteously you got upset about, but uh, the goal isn't to lash out at people, it's to bring that to God and to spend the time in prayer, spend the time talking with your spouse or a close friend, a loved one, a parent, and dealing with that anger each and every day. And uh, the statement here says, Then therefore, uh, though anger may come into the bosom of a wise man, it rests only in the bosom of fools. And we need to be very, very careful if we allow anger to dwell and stir and stay in our hearts. That is not an anger God wants us to have. He says, be angry and sin not, neither give place to the devil. And when anger is resting in our hearts, in our lives, we are giving place to the devil. We're giving the devil an opportunity uh, to take advantage, to get a foothold in our lives and harm us and harm others. And I think of uh, Moses. We talked about a little bit him in junior church this morning. But Moses in uh, Numbers 12 says, now uh, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Think of meekness. It's not just, you know, being the you old know, sweet, kind little guy. No, meekness is, it's power under control. It's having that self-control. That's what meekness is. And Moses was a man that was under control. And in Numbers 12, of course, if you know the story, it's when uh, Miriam and Aaron uh, were mad at him because of the lady, because of the, the nationality of the lady he married. 
And so they were getting everybody stirred up and uh, all mad at Moses. And, of course, Moses, he didn't lash out. He didn't, uh, he didn't uh, fight back. He didn't uh, put them in their place. No, he left it to the Lord. Of course, the Lord dealt with it. And uh, Moses was a man of meekness. And, of course, we all know a time when Moses lost control of that anger and the consequences because of it, when he struck the rock, when God told him to just speak to it. And how we all need to be very careful about this thing called anger. And God wants to renovate. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to renovate our lives. And one thing we need to tear out is lying. And we need to install honesty. We need to tear out that sinful anger. We need to install some daily routines of dealing uh, with anger and how important that is. Number three, uh, look down at verse number 28. Verse number 28, it says, uh, Let him that stole uh, steal uh, no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. And what a great plan that God has given us here. Uh, I think of someone who steals. What is the solution to stealing? It's to work and to give. You find someone who is, who is a diligent worker, a faithful worker, a hard worker, and a generous giver, you are not going to find a thief. And uh, again, it's God's plan. He says, as Christians, uh, we need to constantly, we need to make sure we don't have any stealing in our lives. We're not uh, trying to take someone else's things or take someone else's uh, thoughts and ideas as our own or take advantage of other people for our own benefit. Uh, but instead, we need to be faithful laboring and working. And uh, what a great uh, privilege it is to be around so many folks in this church who are just faithful workers, faithful givers. And what an encouragement. That is a sign of Christianity. That is a sign of, that is what God wants to do of him working in our lives. That shouldn't even be a thought for us is uh, taking it. I don't believe it is for anyone here, uh, but we should all be diligent working and diligent giving and uh, reaching out to others. What a blessing that is. In uh, Proverbs 13 11, it says, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, uh, but he that labor, that gathereth by labor uh, shall increase. And work is so important. That's a good verse for the lottery. Uh, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. That's why we don't play the lottery. It's, it, it, it's, your, or it's a waste of money. Obviously, hardly anybody wins, but those who do, you hear story after story, they lose everything because it's wealth gotten by vanity. And uh, God, that is not God's plan. It is for us to labor. It is for us to give. It says, in all labor there is profit. And uh, work is a great thing. It was not part of the curse. It was given to Adam before sin. And God has called us to these things, to not steal, uh, tear that out, don't even have that thought in your mind, but inst instead install work, install giving, and uh, work so you can give, so you can help others who are struggling, and how important that is. And uh, we go, uh, then we go down one more verse, verse number uh, 29. We see another thing God says to tear out. And he says, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And we see here, God says, I want, got another thing I want you to tear out of your life. I want corrupt communications gone. I don't want them in your life. I don't want corrupt things coming out of your mouth. And First uh, Corinthians 15 says, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners and our words and the things we say are so so important what's the bible compare the tongue to in james it compares it to a fire and how great a matter a little fire kindleth and uh i think most guys we all like playing with fire you know starting fire it's cool to watch it's fun and uh but it, it doesn't take much a little fire a little match a little spark can start something massive and we have 
massive forest fires that happen in California build and burn millions and millions of acres, and often it starts with one small spark, one ember, or one strike of lightning that can just set a land ablaze, and our mouths are the same thing. And as Christians, God wants us to, uh, to tear out, to remodel by getting rid of corrupt communications out of our mouths. And be very careful with what we say. Are our words corrupt? Are they critical? Are they complaining? Are they uh, tearing down of others? Are they, are they vile? Are they vulgar? Are they, are they uh, cursing? Are they inappropriate? What are the words coming out of our mouths? Because our words are so important. They are so powerful, and they can make such a difference. And something we all have to uh, keep a hold of, they're tame, as the Bible says, keep under, uh, under, under control is our tongues, because they can go uh, really quick. And, uh, boy, one little thing, pretty soon, next thing you're saying something, and you're getting yourself in a big hole, and uh, it is so important, especially with your spouses. You, know, you can say something dumb really quick, get yourself in trouble. We all need to keep our mouths, our tongues, under control. But he says, get rid of corrupt communication. Take it out of your mouth, throw it away, tear it out. But then he says, I have something new I want you to put in. He says, but, uh, verse 29, uh, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Of course, edifying means building up or encouraging or strengthening. And God wants us to have edifying words in our mouths. He wants us to be saying things that build others up, not tear them down. He wants us to say things that strengthen people, not weaken them. He wants us to say things that administer grace, that bring comfort when it's needed, that bring encouragement when it's needed, and uh, not to let corrupt things uh, come out of our mouths. And, uh, and then it says, verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. In our words, if corrupt things are coming out, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are, we are uh, hurting him. We are discouraging him. And our words are so, so, so important uh, to watch our words. It says here in, uh, it, we'll look down number, uh, next one, if he, verse 31, the last one here, and then we'll finish up. Verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We see another tearing out and a putting in uh, of our treatment for others. He says, I want you to tear out a wrong treatment with others. Bitterness, get that out. Wrath, get that out. Anger, get that out. Clamor, get that out. Evil speaking, get it out. Put it away from you. And then put in kindness one to another, being tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And God has a plan, and you can continue on your own through chapter 5. It keeps going on things that God wants removed and put in, and uh, God's uh, plan for us. Uh, but God has a plan to renew, to remodel our minds and our lives. And what an amazing uh, thing it is to be a Christian and have a Savior uh, that cares so much about us. I think of the life of the Apostle Paul. And talk about somebody who was renewed. And uh, how before, of course, he was the worst of the worst, just hated the church, hated Christ. He was there when Stephen was stoned to uh, try to convince people to stone him. He was the guy arguing for Stephen's death, uh, the first deacon who was stoned to death. Uh, he was uh, chasing uh, Christians all around the countryside, dragging them in chains to uh, Jerusalem there to be uh, murdered and tortured before the high priest. And he was a horrible person. And in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, we see how God renewed, remodeled his life. And he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 
And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying of worthy of all acceptation uh, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit this, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And we see the pattern of the Apostle Paul's life. Just the, the worst, a horrible guy. Just he lived his life against the church, but when he came to know Christ, there was a complete remodel, a complete renovation, and he became the Apostle Paul. Uh, who changed the world and uh, uh, who God used to reach a, the entire known world with the gospel. And what an amazing life uh, this man lived through the power of Jesus Christ. And God has the same plan for each and every one of us. Uh, we were before. We've, we've all made mistakes. We've all done dumb things in our past. We were all sinners. Uh, but praise the Lord, Christ came, died on the cross, paid for those sins uh, so that we could be his child. We could be on our way to heaven. And then as a new owner and moving down into a rundown house, Christ has moved into our lives as Christians, and he has a plan to renew our lives, to renew our minds, to change our lives. He's got things he wants torn out. He's got things he's going to put in, and uh, it is the best life ever. And uh, someone who, who is living a life being renewed and being remodeled by Christ is living the best life ever. And just looking back at the life of the Gentiles of the, earlier in chapter 14, they're walking in blindness and darkness and vanity, worthlessness. And we see that in the world all around us. Uh, but as Christians, we have something far better. And Christ has given us all, uh, through his sacrifice on the cross, uh, something greater. And I love what it says in, back to Romans chapter uh, 12. You want to turn there really quick and we'll be done. Romans 12, verse 1. Twelve one again we'll read it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and what happens as a result that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and when we let Christ have his work in our lives we let him uh, tear out the things he wants out and puts in the things he wants in we're going to find out we are going to prove, experience for ourselves, that God's will is good. There's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. It is good. It's good for us. And it is acceptable. Uh, we're not getting a shorted out on anything. We're not missing out on anything. This was an acceptable deal, what we're getting for God. And it was perfect. There are no errors in it. In God's plan, God's will is perfect. But in order to experience it, in order to live that, in order to prove that for ourselves, we must not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let God renew our minds. Let him remodel our minds. And we do that by getting in his word, by finding out what he has for us to do and following it and enjoying the amazing plan that God has for each and every one of us. So let's pray quick, and uh, we'll be uh, done for this evening. Dear Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you so much for your word and the uh, opportunity we have to read it and study it freely. And uh, so many countries... Uh, I can't imagine how uh, frightening it would be to gather together and to preach your word, knowing that there would be, uh, could be repercussions from government or from a, an opposing faction of some sort, but we're so free here to, to do it and follow you, and I pray that you help us all to be faithful uh, doing that each and every day, that we'd let you have your work on our lives, and we would uh, yield to you and to what you have for us to do each and every day. And thank you so much for saving us, and, and then also for having a plan for our lives. And we know you're in control, and we can always trust you, and you'll always take care, and we praise you for that. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.